Welcome everybody to the brand new Major League Juror Show. I am your host, Major League Juror, as always. Now this will be the first episode on kind of this channel, this podcast feed. Some of you might be aware I had a show previously called Weekly Winners with a friend of mine. Kind of stopped doing it a while ago, but I kind of had that itch to talk about sports again. I needed an outlet. I have all these takes, and I have this burden that I carry with me where I'm right about sports all the time, and if I don't have a place to record these thoughts, then I have no proof. There's no living record of all the times I've been right about sports. So I kind of have this, I have to have an outlet so that I can show people, look, I said that nine months ago. I knew that was the case. So I'm right. You come here to listen to me say correct things about sports. It's kind of a mutual relationship we got here. I think it could really work out. So I'm not really sure on a release schedule that I'm going to have for this. Um, This is going to be Monday, February 27th episode. Um, As you can see uh, to my my right, your left... uh, I'm going to be going through some off-season NFL stuff. And I knew this is something I wanted to talk about. And then I kind of was looking and realized I would have to do three episodes a week with four teams a week if I wanted to get through all of these off-season previews before free agency opened up. I would love to be able to do that. We'll see if that is at all possible. Um, But I think that's going to be the goal that I shoot for. I would love to go through the off-season for all 32 teams before free agency officially opens up and I can no longer uh, give predictions or what I think these teams should do. Um, so let's let's just get right into it. Definitely the team with the most interesting offseason, the number one pick and the number one amount of cap space left over. They've got over $100 million that they can spend and they got a pick, the pick, the number one pick that they've got to figure out what they're going to do with. First things first, I'm going to ask, I'm going to say they should. Very few housekeeping things for the Bears. Obviously, they have a ton of cap space left over. They do not need to really maneuver a whole lot to make more. There's just a few things they should do. Um, First, restructure Cody Whitehair. He's fine. You don't want to cut him, but he's just making too much. His cap hit is way too big this year for what he's going to be for your team. He should be more than willing to restructure to help the team out restructure him and there are two cuts i think they should make and that's justin jones who's a defensive tackle and lucas patrick who is your other guard um both just well under average um in the league at their positions and are making too much to justify having them on the team you would rather open up those not only the cap space but quite frankly those roster spots um for other people now let's get now that we've made even a little bit more cap space Let's get to spending some of this cat money. Um, now, this is going to be the Bears, what I think would be the Bears' perfect offseason. Are all of these players going to sign with the Bears? No, I'd be shocked if they did. Um, if it happened, Bears fans should be absolutely ecstatic because their their team would be a contender right away. But this I th- is what I think would be the perfect Bears offseason. 
and all of the numbers I'm using come from PFF on what they have calculated these players' estimated contracts will be. So I'm not underpaying players to make it work. I'm not assuming guys will come back on hometown discounts or any of this. All of these numbers have been calculated by outside, outside third-party space. So I shouldn't, I'm not fudging the numbers to make these offseason predictions work. First off, Bears' worst run defense in the league last year. I think technically the Texans allowed a few more yards, but the Bears allowed like six more touchdowns than the next team. They had easily the worst run defense in the league. That's obviously something that needs to be addressed. So the first big splash from the Eagles just went to the Super Bowl. Make Javon Hargrave the highest paid defensive tackle in the league. Give him $8.3 million a year and get that immediate boost to the inside of your defense and uh, to go against the opponent's run. It's a move that I think makes all the sense in the world. He can really bolster a unit that needs a ton of help. Selling him on it to come to Chicago might be kind of tough, but the Eagles are in a, we'll get to them eventually, but they're in a kind of tough spot. They got a ton of free agents this year. Both their coordinators got hired away, so it might, might, might not be so far-fetched that players would want to get out of there, as you would think. Next, from Tampa Bay, another place where people might be trying to get out of. Get Jamal Dean. He's a cornerback, big-body cornerback, which are becoming more and more valuable in the league. With all these big receivers, 6'3", 6'4", even 6'5", these tight, big tight ends that move like wide receivers, having a big-body cornerback is super valuable. Give Jamal Dean $17 million a year. Now, here's the big one. Give $21 million a year to Orlando Brown Jr., offensive tackle. You have your franchise guy. You have Justin Fields. Protect him. This not only is a fantastic move, goes a long way into protecting your young quarterback for the future, but it shows to your fan base and to your young quarterback, hey, we've never really had a guy like this before. He's young. He's exciting. We're a franchise who historically has not been great at the quarterback position. Now that we think we've got a guy, we're going to protect him no matter what it takes. Sends a great message, and it's a great move for this franchise. Next one. Give $13 million a year to Mike Gusecki. Fantastic tight end, basically a receiver that lines up at a tight end from Miami. He just does not fit what the Dolphins' current offensive scheme is. He should get out of there. It should be a mutual parting of parting of ways, but he's a great, fast, route-running tight end who can make mismatches and just makes your quarterback's, your quarterback's life easier. When you have a guy like that, it is going to do wonders for Justin Fields and, and take some pressure off a receiving core that also needs some bolstering. Speaking of that receiving core, there's two guys I think they should target. Should they get both? Maybe. I think they should get one of them at least. And that's Alan Lazard from division opponents, the Packers, and Juju Smith-Schuster outside of the Chiefs. Chiefs probably try to bring Lazard back, or Chiefs probably try to bring Juju back, and the Packers probably try to bring Lazard back, but either could be looking for you know, a longer-term contract, um, and the Bears could give $11-$12 million to either of them. The reason I think it's a good fit both, you saw it from Juju in the Super Bowl, still a very good receiver. Lazard had a great year as a number one. 
but both of these receivers take a lot of pride on their run blocking. Juju especially. Lazard's big and he's a good run blocker. Juju throughout his career has shown that he really does care about the run blocking part of his game, which is just a fantastic prototype of a guy to go with your running quarterback. A wide receiver who's going to make a block downfield once Fields uh, breaks free, whether it's on a designed run or a scramble, is a really good piece to have next to Fields in that receiving core. Um, And finally, I think the Bears should capitalize um, on what is a very deep uh, linebacker free agency class. There's a lot of guys in the upper ends that are going to command a lot of money. Bears have already spent a lot of money, but Leighton Van Der Esch out of the Cowboys is kind of that fourth or fifth guy in this free agency class when it comes to linebackers, and he is old school, nose down, downhill linebacker who stops the run. That's what he does, and that's what the Bears need. So I think you give about six and three quarters, seven million dollars to Leighton Van Der Esch a year to come bolster that run defense even more. So that's why I kind of think they should do with their free agency class. Spend a ton of money, obviously. But this team makes that moves. I think they can, along with their draft picks, which we're about to get into, I think they can really start being a pick for competing in that division, especially if some of the other teams are trending down. So let's get into that draft. Um, the number one pick. Who are we taking? Well, as you probably guessed, nobody. We're going to trade it. Um, all of these trades, again, PFF's mock draft has a trade machine in there. All of these trades were accepted by the other teams based on the value calculations that they do. So I'm not just making trades up. These were all accepted in a software that's built to simulate these trades. So we're going to trade the number one pick to the Colts. Um, We're going to trade back to four, and we're going to get a second rounder next year. It's kind of unprecedented to trade just back from one to four. It's only ever happened one time before, and that's when um, the Chargers traded back from one to four to go Eli to Phillip Rivers, um, and they gave up an insane amount in that trade. All of the other trade backs that I could find um, within the top ten picks are a little bit more modest so going back just three spots where the quality of player is not going to dip at all as long as you're not looking to take a quarterback and then also picking up a second rounder is going to be extremely valuable uh, for this team who need who has a lot of holes and if you have a lot of holes what you're going to want to do is what do you what do you got to do you have to fill them so just more draft picks and more high quality draft picks is really the it's the only option. Picking somebody at 1-1 one, one here when you're, you're is just leaving value out on the table. Uh, so getting more high pedigree guys from big colleges who can help your team now is going to be the most valuable for the Bears. So we're trading back to 4 um, and in the mock draft that I was doing for the Bears Jalen Carter got to four, which is perfect. Out of Georgia, putting Jalen Carter next to Vernon Hargrave um, is 
the most immediate fix to a run defense of Javon Hargrave. The run the run defense, which is worse than the league again, is immediately fixed. That is the best defensive interior in the NFL, I would argue. I mean, obviously that's doing that was some per some projecting with Jalen Carter, but he really does look to be that guy. So that's a, a home run pick at number four. Now we go to pick number 35 in the second round. I think we go cornerback. We get Deontay Bay, uh, Banks, who he's another big body cornerback, which I really like for the Bears. And he fits into their scheme in the cover two scheme that the Bears ran last year. Um, all of a sudden you got two. Again, you have a rookie and you have a big name free agent, both at cornerback playing the same position, coming in really bolstering this defense. Now to pick number 54. And this is a guy I got a feeling I'm going to tell a lot of teams to take in their, with their second to third round picks. And that's Andre Carter the second out of Army. He's an edge defender, a 6'7", 260, and he does not move like it. He moves like a guy half his size. He's a freak athlete. Being 6'7", he is 260, doesn't look too big on him. He could even put on some more weight, some more muscle, but the absolute potential of this guy is any team could take a swing on him and I would love it. You, He could really be a focal point of this defense that has just brought in a lot of talent. I'm not saying he's going to be that year one, but I think the potential is there with this guy that you absolutely take a swing with him on him if he's there at 54. At 64, this is a pick I love for the Bears. They Everything else is, you know, they should do it. I think this is a real gem at 64 if they do it. Center, Luke Weipler, he's an athlete. He's about the second best center in the draft in projections. But this guy is athletic at center, which you don't see very very much. He can help shore up that pass protection. But then again, when you have a running quarterback, someone who has good instincts and has the ability athletically to get to a second level when a play breaks down or Justin Fields is making something happen with his legs is very, very valuable for Chicago right now. Pick 103, I like Nathaniel Dow, who's a wide receiver. This guy is going to drop, drop, drop in the draft. He, when drafted, because he will be drafted, he's going to be the smallest wide receiver in the NFL during his rookie year. He's tiny, um, which will be the reason he'd fall so hard in the, far in the draft. But if he can make it to the fourth round, the Bears should absolutely pick him. He scored 29 touchdowns for Houston over his last two years as a wide receiver. He is small, but he's so shifty, he's so fast, and he's, I know Houston, not the best competition, not SEC school, but these guys could really, really make some things happen in the NFL, especially as it goes the, more, the rules are more protecting players, especially wide receivers, big hits over the middle. He's not going to be as much at a disadvantage as he was, would have been, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, just some quick late round picks. Um, pick 134. I think they should take Tank Bigsby running back. This is because I think it's going to be key. It's kind of borderline. But I think Chicago should not re-sign David Montgomery. I think Khalil Herbert is the better back, and paying David Montgomery, even if it's a modest contract by running back standards, is simply not worth it. I think you let him go, you run with Khalil Herbert, and then you draft Tank Bigsby at pick 134, 
Um, I've never heard a more accurately named human. Name's Tanks. His name, they call him Tank. In college, averaged 4.2 yards. 4.2 yards a carry. That's that's fine. That's pretty good. But like, that's nothing to write home about, really. Nope. 4.2 yards after contact. After he is touched by a defender, he averages 4.2 more yards after that. He immediately would fill this void left by Montgomery at a much, much cheaper price. And I think he's a good compliment to Khalil Herbert. You have a good one-two punch there in the backfield for a much cheaper price tag. I think it's a home run pick. Pick 137, I like Dorian Williams, linebacker. Um, he's He would be the complement to all the work we did in, to stop the run. He needs some work in the run game, but he's fantastic in coverage. So you spent all this money, got these guys to stop, spent your fourth overall pick to stop the run, get the guy who complements that and is a good a linebacker who's fantastic in coverage. Pick 150, I like picking another wide receiver to help that wide receiver room out. Michael Wilson, um, super, he's kind of in that mold of Juju or Lazard. He really likes the, he really prides himself on the run blocking. He's a fine receiver, um, but the worst case, people are, are really projecting him as a great co- uh, contributor on special teams. He really has the build and the mindset to make a great gunner. So I love a guy with a floor like that. Like absolutely worst case scenario, even if he's a terrible wide receiver, he can be an all-star for us on special teams. So I think with that draft and that free agency class and the little bit of posturing in your um, in the cap department with letting Montgomery go and the cuttings and the restructurings, I think that is the 100% perfect Bears offseason. This team wins the division if they make all of these moves. Will they make all of these moves? No. Would they even have the ability to make all these moves? Would all these free agents say, yes, I'll come to Chicago? Also very unlikely. But this is the 100% everything goes perfect offseason for the Chicago Bears. Next, we got a team with an equally high draft pick. Not equally, but after the trade, it will be the Cardinals. What an insane fall from grace the Cardinals had after starting the season two years ago and then falling off a cliff and then continuing to fall further down that cliff this year. Um, they're almost as, just as bad as the Bears were, but with very, with almost no maneuverability. They got a little room here there to make some moves, but this isn't going to be the whole thing that the Bears did. They have much more of their cap eaten up. Um, so we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to do a little bit to make some more moves. First, it's the elephant in the room. What do you do with DeAndre Hopkins? He's clearly not really happy there. The Cardinals are gonna be bad again this year. The way I was looking at it, I was like, what can we do to kind of bring a couple pieces in? Because clearly this team had some talent to go on a run just two years ago. The more I looked at it, it doesn't really seem that that's in the cards for the Cardinals. Um, I think you kind of just be bad again that next year. So I like moving some high picks, moving some pieces for draft picks down the line. Um, So expect a lot of that. So we're going to follow in those footsteps with DeAndre Hopkins. Went into the trade machine, offered him to the Giants for pick 89 this year and a fourth rounder in 2024. That might sound low for DeAndre Hopkins, but with his current situation, you're not really going to get a whole lot more for him. So we're going to take that. It's going to 
reduce his cap hit a little bit, which still is not helping out too much, but it's gonna it is gonna help. We're gonna restructure Zach Ertz. I thought about cutting Ertz entirely, but he still does provide some value to this team, even if it does um, come at a pretty hefty price tag. We're gonna restructure him. Now, who we are gonna cut is Robbie Anderson. He just was bad in Carolina, traded for him, and it was almost worse. I mean, at least he played, but he was not productive. And with how much he caught, we can save. We don't owe him a penny if we cut him. So I think the Cardinals should cut him and pay him $0 to just uh, move on. So that brings our cap hit to about $188 million for our current roster. Um, that's about 80% of the cap, so we got about 20% of the cap to spend. Um, and basically, we're just going to try to retain some talent we have, some young talent we have. Byron Murphy Jr., cornerback, and Zach Allen, defensive tackle, both worth what they're going to get in free agency. Do what you can to get them to come back to the Cardinals. I think for Byron Murphy Jr., that's going to be $9.5 million a year. And for Zach Allen, that's going to be $12.5 million a year. Um, and what, with what we're going to owe to our draft picks, that leaves room for about one eight and a half nine million dollars $9 a year free agent. I think we're going to want to go for... Uh, Charles Aminahu. Um he's a young edge presence. I don't really want to draft. I don't really want to get anyone too old that's not going to fit the timeline for the Cardinals. Again, I think they're going to be bad this year, but that doesn't mean you don't want to start accumulating talent. You can't go to worst to first very often. Um, so they should try to lock him up long term for eight and a half to nine million dollars a year. I think. So then to the draft, um, they're picking at three. I'm going to anticipate some sort of trade going on with the Bears or. Pick, there's two quarterbacks taken, one and two. So we basically have our pickup of the litter at three. I think Will Anderson Jr. is that guy. Um, led college football in, present, in pressures. And for a defensive lineman, he's got the rare ability of stamina. He's going to be on the field pretty much every defensive snap. Um, and he's going to immediately... We lost some edge press presence in J.J. Watt and a lot of leadership on that defense. He's going to immediately be a young, energetic talent to help retool that defense. Um, pick number 35, I'm looking. Is there some young talent where, where we need it? Um, there's really not. I don't really like any of the fits of any of the highly rated guys at that point. So I clicked on the trade machine, said I would like to send this pick to the Dolphins. Um, our second round pick for a their 2024 second round pick and their 2025 second round pick and their 2025 fourth round pick. So we just flipped an early second, to be fair, but for two seconds and a fourth, no brainer. You're going to need those picks to fill the holes down the line. Um, so we're going to send that pick to the Dolphins. We're going to be desperate to get a pick since they're having to forfeit their first round pick. Pick number 66, I like it in Garrett Williams, a cornerback. Um, elite man coverage QB at Syracuse and to be honest they misused him at Syracuse he was only in man coverage about 30 to 40 percent of his snaps um, which doesn't make sense for a guy who's as good in man coverage as he is um, but we got new head coach Jonathan Gallon while he may be a little goofy for those of you who've seen his intro video um, he brought defensive coordinator his new defensive coordinator Nick Rallis with him from Philadelphia and they, in Philly, they put on a masterclass of building a defense around the pieces they have. 
not putting the pieces they have into the defense they want to run. So I have complete faith that those two will be able to use him to the best of his abilities. I think he's a home run pick for the Cardinals at 66. Pick 89, I want linebacker. Um, Demarvion Overshawn. Um, he's just an athlete. He's a little small for a linebacker, but that's what the Cardinals defense is. He's an elite athlete. Just close your eyes and picture all the dogs they got on this uh, Cardinals defense. This defense is going to be fast. They're going to be flying all over the place. Maybe a little undersized, but I really think they could have an identity of being this super stingy fly around defense that could really be exciting to watch. Pick number 97, I'm going Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. He's an Iowa tight end. You can't really uh, go too wrong there. Um, he's really, they say tight end. He's in that new prototype where he's got the speed of a receiver. He just lines up at tight end, and he even doesn't line up at tight end sometimes. They would even split him out every once in a while, which is why um, I'm fine keeping Ertz around with Laporta because he could share the field with Ertz at times with Ertz as a inline tight end, maybe a two tight end set, but even with Ertz in line, you could put him in the slot or you could even split him out wide. They could be on the field at the same time. But I kind of expect by the end of the year to, for Ertz's snaps to start waning a little bit as Laporta kind of takes over that job. Pick 106. Again, didn't really like what I was seeing. So I said, hey, Detroit, you want this pick? So they gave we gave them uh, 106. They gave us 154. And their fourth and fifth next year. So we're just accumulating more picks for more guys or more picks to package later to maybe move up. Um, if we have a, if there's a guy in the future track that we really, really like. So now here is that pick 154 that we just got from Detroit. I like going um, wide receiver out of Princeton, um, Andre Isovises. Osivis? I don't know. Um, but I like him. He's 6'3. He's uh, contested. He, that's where he thrives. He goes up and gets the contested balls. He's a deep threat. Immediately, he's an AJ Green prototype. You're immediately replacing him. Um, pick 169 and 170 are up next. We got back-to-back -back picks. Um, and I'm trading them both. Now, the Titans for their 2024, fourth and sixth, were just moving up in a future draft. I didn't really like any of the guys I saw. Um, at 169 and 170, and then I think that's the latest in anyone's draft I'm going to go, but at pick 214, if he's there, I think they should pick up Keaton Mitchell, who's a running back out of East Carolina. Um, he's undersized. He's a small back, but he led the entire country in college football with runs over 10 yards. He's super explosive, um, and that is the perfect complement to the bruiser that they have in James Conner. So I really think that's a guy they should pick up near the end of the draft who can actually see, see some significant snaps for them. So there's your perfect Arizona Cardinals uh, offseason. Again, I think they'll be bad. They have some projects. They have some guys that need some development um, that they got in the draft. Uh, they're basically retaining some of the young talent they had, letting some older guys go. But so I think they'll be bad. Expect them to be picking in the next in the top ten again next year, maybe the top fifteen if things go right. But I think it's setting them up for the future. Now let's move on to a team that made the playoffs 
uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now they have to do a little bit more maneuvering. This was a team when I was like picking out teams. And you could try to find the rhyme or reason of me picking the teams, the four teams that I'm going to do per episode. You will not find it because there isn't one. I kind of just picked teams I wanted to do. And I picked the Jaguars because I think Trevor Lawrence is like, it's his time. We saw it at the end of last year. He is an elite quarterback in this league. There are not five other guys that I would want more than Trevor Lawrence at this point. Um, I think he this is his coming out party, even though he was breaking out at the end of last year. I think there'll be MVP talks for Trevor Lawrence this season, as long as he has the support from the Jaguars. So when I picked, when I started picking through their uh, cap situation, I really wanted to go all in, make some big moves, make some big signings, potentially make some trades. I did what I could. This team has spent almost the entirety of their cap already. They have to do some uh, work just to be able to afford to pay the draft picks they're about to pick. Um, so yeah, we got some work to do. So unfortunately, the roster's got to get a little thinner before we can flesh it out. Um, first cut, Shaquille Griffin. You can try to trade him if you want. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot. Um, he's fi- He just hasn't produced on this team, and they gave him a bunch of money. You can take his cap hit down to $4 million if you cut him, so I think they should do exactly that. Also cut uh, Jamal Agnew, wide receiver, and Clavin Chasian. Um, just not worth it for the price that they are owed. So we're cutting them to make that little bit of space. And we are trading Roy Robertson Harris, our d- defensive tackle. We have a lot of talent at defensive tackle. So we're trading him to the Bills, who need some help um, stopping the run for picks 130 or 139. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but. The draft is where we don't have the money, so the draft is where this team is going to need to add their talent. Um, and that's ex- exactly what they're going to do. They, Anyone that's leaving um, the Jags, they will not be able to afford. Evan Ingram is gone. They will not be able to bring anyone else in. They've already spent all of their money with their current players. So we are getting right into the draft. Picking 25th, and we're taking Anton Harrison. Uh, out of Oklahoma, great pass protector. Jawan Taylor, also gone. We can't afford to keep him, not for the price, he, um, price he's going to command. Um, Taylor was a great pass protector, needed some work in the run game, so we're really taking his direct replacement. Um, Harrison, fantastic pass protector, could use some work in the run game, but again, he's a rookie, so he's much cheaper, and he's going to fill that void left uh, by Taylor. Pick 57, same guy, uh, Edge, Army, Andre Carter, 6-7, did I say it again? Putting him across from Josh Allen should make Jags fans drool. If he can be anything close to what his potential is, that defense is going to start looking scary against, start getting shades of when they made the AFC Championship, however many years ago that was. Sticking with the defense, pick 88, I want safety Sidney Brown. Who's a five-yard, five-year starter out of Illinois? He's an older guy. He's going to be ready to contribute immediately. He's extremely powerful. He can come down, lay the boom on some guys. He's going to stop in, step in day one, and really help this defense out. Pick one twenty-one defense. Give me quarterback Trebius Hodges Tomlinson. He's undersized a little bit. He's out of TCU, but he can really smother guys with his speed. He's so quick. He 
no wide receivers are shaking him. He's a little undersized, so he could use some help maybe over the top for those go-and-get-it go balls, but he's got the talent. Wow, we're picking him at 121. Still feels good. Pick 127. I like him going running back. Maybe a little controversial, but you kind of narrowed your backfield just down to ETN. Um, so I like taking Dwayne McBride out of UAB. Um, he's an absolute bruiser. Averaged over seven yards a carry last year. And he's just another weapon with Lawrence to give to Lawrence. Um, and I think he's a good... He's going to be in your backfield. You're not going to really split him out. But the Jags have showed that they're more than willing to use ETN as a pass catcher. So I don't think it's implausible to think that these guys can be at the field at the same time in some formations. Um, McBride and ETN, that is. Pick 130, just a few picks later. We're picking... Uh, Four times in about 20 picks here. Um, pick 130, I like Morho Ojomo, defensive tackle out of Texas. Um, super long arms, stout guy, but with a long wingspan. Um, he's just a bull, and he can create quarterback pressure up the middle, which is just super valuable to get this late in the draft. Um, at pick 139, I like quarterback cornerback Jacorian Bennett. Um, he's out of Maryland. Um, he actually had a slight... He's been a little uh, a little dip from his previous year, but in yards that is. But he didn't allow a touchdown all year, which is, if I can get that out of a late-round cornerback, um, he seems to have the talent where he could potentially see some snaps on this defense, which is really all you're looking for this late in the draft. Um, so obviously they have some picks, but I'm not going to go to the 6th and 7th round. Uh, that's what I like for the Jags offseason. Are they definitely better than last year i want to say probably yes and i mean they get calvin ridley back that'll help the wide receiver room um out they lose an offensive tackle they bring in a high pedigree one in the draft i want to say they're probably about the same i'd hope just another year of development for lawrence and some of these other guys would make them better than last year but i really tried but i don't think I can objectively say that this roster is definitely better than it was last year, but I think maintaining is just about the best the Jags can do this offseason. And now finally, we're going to bring it to the Patriots, um, who kind of have a quarterback question mark. So I was like, ooh, how frisky do I want to get? Do I want to try to shake things up for them? Do I want to kind of solve that? I was kind of considering them for the Derek Carr sweepstakes, but then kind of looking, um, this year I am higher on Carr than I would be on Mac Jones, but the gap was a lot narrower than I thought it might be. Um, so with Mac being younger, I figured they'd just kind of stick with him. You still got Bailey Zappi on the roster um, if you really want to hit that panic button. Um, and no surprise here, we're not restructuring, we're not cutting. Um, Patriots do a great job negotiating their salaries there's really not an ugly one that they have on the books um except for maybe hunter henry but um the coaching staff has a lot of quotes out there in their belief for him to kind of pick up the pace um and live up to that contract they gave him so while maybe objectively i would say they could cut hunter henry um i just don't see it happening they seem to have plans for him so i kind of just let that one go let him stay on the roster um I do think I kind of went back and forth on this a lot. I think you got to bring Jacoby Myers back. 
um, at wide receiver. It's going to cost a lot, probably about $16 million a year. Patriots have some money to spend in free agency. So a little bit, not not like bears them up, but they have a little to spend. Um, so I think you bring them back. He just has shown to be not the fastest, but a good route runner, sure hands. I think he's worth it, um, especially for a wide receiver room that doesn't really have a whole lot else going for it. I think you've got to bring him back if you can. Um, Mike McGlinchey, I think, is the other big signing. Um, he's just a tackle that fits and bolsters this offensive line. Great run blocker, which is not necessarily a thing you see a lot out of a tackle. And it's the Patriots. We saw what they did last year. They're going to pound the ball. They're going to run the ball a lot. I think you go and give Mike McGlinchey the big bucks, $15.5 million to a year to bolster this offensive line, which is already pretty solid and can support the good run game. Um, I think you get Jonathan Jones um, back in for $5.5 million uh, a year, cornerback, just keeps your uh, keeps your defense solid where it was. Into the draft, picking 14, I like getting Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Ed Rusher, he, needs, he absolutely needs to develop. Um, his other skills, but he has an elite bull rush right now. You can see the potential. An undersized or underskilled offensive lineman, he's not even going to need any other moves. He's just going to bull rush every play, and he's going to get results. If you can develop him whatsoever, he's going to turn into a fantastic edge rusher. Um, little raw, but I think he's a absolutely willing project to spend the 14th pick on him. Go to 46. None of the talent. I kind of don't like the second round this year in the NFL draft. Um, so I think teams trading out of those picks are going to see a lot of value. And I think we're going to see a classic Bill Belichick trade back at 46. None of the talent there really um, fills the holes that they have. So I think you trade them to, I traded it to the Falcons for a 2024 second and third. Um, just turning picks into more picks. Uh, pick 77. Um, I like Wisconsin defensive tackle Keanu Benton. Um, another D tackle who can get pressure from the interior. Um, if he can, if you can get this guy to buy into this Patriot system, I think he can be there and be productive for a very, very long time. Pick one hundred eight. I like wide receiver Parker Johnson, um, Penn State product. Uh, definitely a slot receiver, smaller guy, kind of built more like a running back. Um, he's Shorter, stouter wide receiver, but uh, I really trust the Patriots to know what to do with him and turn him into a threat. Um, pick 118, I like linebacker uh, Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati. Run stuffing running back, um, fits into their system. Uh, I really like the fit. And pick 135, another wide receiver, I like Jalen Moreno Cropper uh, out of Fresno State. Um, he... From 2021 to 2022, he moved out of the slot, out into the, um, as more of a split-out receiver, um, which made his touchdowns dip a little bit, but his yards per catch and his yards overall uh, increased a lot, and that's because they were using him a lot as a, as a screen receiver. They would throw him a lot of screens, which the Patriots definitely like to do, so I can see them really liking this guy um, and picking him up at 135. So that, I think, is, you know, a modest but um, very productive 
offseason for the Patriots. Really, you know, trying to re- get a few wide receivers with talent in there, um, but really still retaining your players and focusing on building that extremely strong run game that's become their staple over the last couple years. Um, so I think that's really what they should and will continue to lean into um, over the next, over the foreseeable seasons. Um, so there's our offseason preview. We did four of those. Uh, <clears throat> if anyone would like to see uh, specific teams know what they should do, think they should do, or what they shouldn't do, um, feel free to request them. Um, Twitter's probably the best place, at Major Leager. Uh, I'll respond to anything I get there, take suggestions for upcoming episodes. Um, and kind of something that I love, it's... Uh, Maybe I would like to end each show with one uh, is these blind QB comparisons. I think some of them are extremely funny. It's great to see what seasons are similar. A lot of them are really, they had like seasons that had such insanely similar stats. So I've got one for us here. We got just one year apart, a 2021 season and a 2022 season. Our man on the left here went 9-7, and seven, threw for 3,700 yards, 26 TDs, 12 interceptions, 64% completion, and a 39 QBR. Our man on the right, 2022 season, went 8-9, and nine, also threw for about 3,700 yards, threw for 21 touchdowns to 26 touchdowns, threw two less picks, 10-12, to 12, virtually identical completion percentages, both at 64%. And a QBR a few ticks lower um, at 35 instead of 39. So looking at these, really, I don't see how you could... Extremely similar, obviously. That's the point of these. But I think you would have to take the guy on the left, right? Very few less... A few less yards, four more touchdowns, two more picks. QBR a little bit above, records better. Um, won an extra game um, and lost two less um, winning record instead of a losing record. Um, obviously, it's very close. They're extremely similar quarterbacks. Um, but personally, I don't see how you could take the guy over the right over the guy on the left. Um, but spoiler alert, one of these guys was seen to be on his way out, should have retired last year, shouldn't have even played this current season. Um and was inhibiting a otherwise talented team who really needed to go uh, and get a younger quarterback. And the other guy is probably about to be traded for two first-round picks. That's right. Guy on the left, who I would say objectively better, 2021 Ben Roethlisberger. And guy on the right, this last year, Aaron Rodgers. Um so yeah, I say the stats uh, speak for themselves. Uh, one guys who had in, incredibly, incredibly similar seasons. Who it's really just all about um, perception. Their situations are being treated completely differently now. Of course, there are, as there are still fans who are about ready to be done with Big Ben. There's absolutely Packer fans who are about done, ready to be done with Aaron Rodgers. Perhaps even the majority of Packer fans, but. One guy was seen as pretty much unanimously, it's time to retire, it's time to get him out of the league. The other guy, every there's at least two to three teams in the league waiting with bated breath for him to 
emerge from the darkness and say he's going to play football in 2023 so that they can give up multiple first-round picks to get him on their team. Just something to think about uh, at the end of the episode here. So if you have an interesting quarterback season that you would like to see compared, or if you just would like to see a comparison of one guy or another guy, again, you can let me know on Twitter. Um, and if you like them or if you don't like them, just let me know. Um, I think it's kind of a fun way to end the episode. Um, see if maybe you can guess who these guys are, or say which one you would like better, and see if that's the general consensus that the media agrees with. But I think that's where we're going to call episode one for Monday, February 27th. And I will thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode one. And I will see you guys on Wednesday.